Can you just feel that late 50s vibe from that, Meredith? Yeah, I can. <laughs> it is uh, particularly aggressive, and I, and I like it. This is probably the best way you could ever start any horror film. <laughs> um, so this week, it is not a surprise that we are going to do uh, The Blob. We're doing The Blob 1958-1988. This was a pretty good double feature for these two movies, in, in my opinion, to do them um, oh, for my birthday weekend. Yeah. Uh, my birthday is actually in a couple days, and these were two solid horror films to kind of shoot together like that. You know, I have a long, long history of... My birthday is on August 31st. So that means if you're a big movie buff like I am, uh, there isn't squat that comes out at this late point no. in the summer. Um, so it's usually, exactly, usually my best stuff is, is watching movies at home that I, I truly love. Because at this point, usually at the theaters, I'm, I'm giving things like, I remember a young birthday, I had like Cole the Conqueror <laughs> with Kevin Sorbo and The Crow 2, City of Angels. Ugh. You know, I, yeah, I've had some very, dis yeah, exactly, some disappointing <laughs> movies that have come out on my birthday. So this is usually what I end up having to do if I want that good movie fix is I go home and I, I put on uh, classics that I love or films that I'm super interested in. Your birthday comes in June. Yeah. So you have a much higher chance of actually catching a pretty cool Yeah, summer day. blockbusters. Yeah. yeah, you get a better season. Yeah, I, I'm, I guess September and the start of the year might be a little bit worse. I guess the start of the year you get some holdover Oscar flicks that you need to catch. Yeah. But for the most part, like that late August, early September has always been such a dead time for any kind of movie period like that. And I absolutely hate it. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, everybody. I'm Pedro, in case I didn't introduce myself earlier. And I'm Meredith. Uh, today, we are talking about uh, The Blob, uh, two uh, nice, full versions of them. Yeah, I uh, I adore these movies. So this is the oldest movie we've taken a look at. Yeah, by a by a large margin. Yeah, nineteen fifty eight. That's super old for us. So I guess I have to ask you. I, I watch older movies a lot. Black and white doesn't bother me. I watch silent films. But how did you adjust to this? Um, I've seen this movie before several times. Uh, I absolutely love the Blob. I think it's a fun movie. It's a fun creature feature. So I didn't, I wasn't quite bothered by the age. And it, also it wasn't in black and white. It was in color. So it kind of helped. Yeah. First of all, I want to mention that the color, um, we watched, we were lucky enough to watch that Criterion's. Had to have been Criterion. Yeah. We were collection. lucky enough to watch Criterion's uh, transfer and the color is so vibrant, almost leaping off the screen. Yeah. You know, obviously sometimes a big HD transfer like that can be to a film's detriment. It lets you see how phony the effects are and things like that. But if you're going to come into the blob, 1958, and start picking apart the effects, you are hustling backwards yeah. all the way. That is not the movie for this. Things that you can pick apart is the fact that Steve McQueen looks like 44 years old to be a teenager. Yeah, he looks a little old. <laughs> yeah. He, he, I, it's I, all those cigarettes. I think, yeah, I think he was like 28, but he, he looks 30 in this movie. And he's supposed to be a teenager. And it, the woman they have him paired with is also... Looks a little bit older, but not as bad as Steve McQueen. Yeah. Um, you know, to, you know how Hollywood she is. She could pass for the high school. Yeah. She, she looks young enough. She could pass for Hollywood high school. Yeah. You know how that works. You know, they cast a, you know, a 22-year-old, 24-year-old. Call that's, them 17. That's good enough. He's not the most egregious example of an actor being cast who's way too old for a high school part. I got to watch Dear Evan Hansen last year, where I think the creator of the stage play is like in his 30s and got to play a teenager. Wow. And the second you see him on screen, you're like, what is that old dude walking in? <laughs> like, who's the narc? Uh, I love you. Beth Cooper also has another actor who's clearly in his 30s trying to play a, a loser teenager. We're back to the blob. Yep. This, back to the blob. <laughs> this is 
a old school creature feature. And listen, if you can't handle a film made before the 70s, you are going to have a bit of a difficult time kind of trying to adjust to the way the blob is going to yeah. tell you a story. The acting is very much of that night late 1950s era and this is a this is a B movie. This is a low budget B film. So there isn't what you would call great actors necessarily in this film like oh steve mcqueen was pretty good i steve, enjoyed yeah, his this, yeah this performance. is this is his first leading role and obviously to get said leading role he had to go to a b movie to get that done and listen he's he's fantastic yeah he, he commands the screen from the second he's on is it the finest work of his career of course not but he like i said commands the screen from the moment he's on it's the one thing we talk about later on with the reboot that they are absolutely missing is that number one in charge leading man yeah and Steve McQueen, they only made one of those, okay? <laughs> and the blob is, is damn lucky to have him. It, it really is. He is able to help you identify with this lead character because this movie's narrative is, is simple. You know, it's not complex really in any way, shape, or form. And we have to remember, like we've talked about in the past, the era that this was made in, you know, invasion films were particularly simple in this era because America's just getting used to that idea. Yeah. This, as a matter of fact can be viewed as a bit of fresh air because it's one of the few alien movies or invasion films I can think of that does not feature a humanoid monster in some way. And that is one thing. This monster isn't humanoid in the least. Not in the least. Yeah. This movie, they they had two titles, working titles for this movie. It was either going to be called The Glob. Which is far worse somehow. I don't know. It sounds like spit or something. I don't know. It's like a, medi- a medical thing. Can you put a glob of cream on that on that <laughs> yeah. wound, please? Thank you. No one says a blob of anything. Oh, Molten Meteor was the other title, which Molten, that's super is 50s. Worse. That's super 50s, yeah. though. Yeah, I can see why they might have wanted to do that. As a matter of fact, I'm, I'm, I might have even watched it under that title. But the blob fits this really perfectly. Yeah. Simple title for a simple film. Yeah. Um, it's the, an undescript, you know, alien. Exactly. He... I guess he, or I guess the blob is truly genderless. Yeah. Uh, they, um, <laughs> we'll get his pronouns correct. The blob uh, sort of rolls through this town. And I guess the bulk of the story comes down to Steve McQueen and his love interest trying to convince authority figures that something is going on. I feel like that's the majority of the movie is him trying to convince it's, it's all, police it's all the movie is, yeah. that he's not crazy. Yeah, it's all the movie is, basically. is There is a couple police officers who think the kids are nothing but trouble and absolutely refuse to believe them, despite all the evidence that some weird shady shit is going down. Yeah. You know, this is a cliche in horror is that no one's ever going to believe your protagonist. And obviously it comes from before this movie. But the way this movie does it, I think it's particularly engaging because you're the only characters, in my opinion, who are good actors are Steve McQueen, uh, the actor who plays the doctor who gets it early on and his love interest to some extent. Yeah. The sheriff is okay, but most of the dialogue between the sheriffs isn't really fantastic. Right. Uh, Same thing with some of the other teenagers. (laughs) You can't see me doing the quotation marks for these 30 year olds. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, if if you've ever seen American Graffiti, I guess you could sort of get the vibe here. Now, notice I'm talking about a period piece to talk about a movie that was actually made in that era. It'll probably be the one thing, like if you are in your early 20s, if you go and watch this movie, you sort of be hit in the face by a lot of the things that were that made up 1950s cinema. And of course, you'll be hit hard with the effects for the blob, which even for the time, weren't amazing. <laughs> Bart Sloan did the uh, special effects here. Oh, he did? Okay. Yeah, Bart Sloan. The blob itself was a mixture of red dye and silicone, which you can actually still 
touch and is yeah. still wet to this day. Yeah, yeah, you actually, yeah, you actually still touch the the old pail that they kept him in, and that silicone has held water for all this time. It's also done with uh, a lot of time lapse photography as well. Yes, yes, yes. That's how they move um, some of the bigger shots where they move them around and things like that. I know the the scene with the freezer where the blob comes underneath, that's them injecting the silicone into a clear cellophane, cellophane bag or, or whatever the 50s equivalent of that was, uh, pumping it into them when they got to a certain point. They just ran the film camera backwards yeah. to make it look like it came out. And it, it, you know, it works really well. I always appreciate the craftsmanship behind some of these effects. So we, we should mention that on the day um, when this movie came out, it's a double feature. I don't know if you know how that works back in the old days, but that's how movies were generally sort of released. You'd have your B opener and then your A picture coming out right afterwards. That was what people were there to see the main event. That's how movies generally were released in the 50s and 60s, and they dropped in certain ports around the country. The Blob, despite terrible reviews, which it got at the time, absolutely savaged by critics, The Blob became the main event very quickly. That was the movie that people wanted to see. They heard about and talked about really got into it, and it's what made the movie a runaway hit. Um, and Steve cost Steve McQueen quite a bit of money, because I think he took a $2,000 payday, straight up. 2500 to yeah, be exact. $2,500 payday. Or 10%. Yeah, and he didn't get the 10%. And no. The, the, I think the movie grossed like $8 million at the time, which is massive in 1958. Uh, I think it was a little less than that. A little, yeah, but yeah. If you, once again, I, I think the whole movie's like, what, $70,000. It actually had a $120,000 $120,000 budget. $120, budget? Mm-hmm. So I mean, you're not talking about a very expensive movie. So if you're not just doubling the money you made, the, the money you put into it, if you're making like $4 million or, or even less. Yeah, they made bank Yeah, you, you absolutely are raking it in. And, and that's probably why Steve McQueen hated this movie. In yeah. fact, he refused to talk about it. Yeah, I'm, I'm not surprised. A creature feature that launched his career... He, he would not be the first actor to get his launch in horror who really refuses to speak about it or reference it in any way, shape, or form. It's just it's one more great example of that. So It's also the last time that he goes by Stephen McQueen as his bill. Oh, you know, I, I completely missed that in the credits. Yeah, yeah. I, I was too busy grooving in that song from it's earlier. the last movie he's known as Stephen McQueen. Oh, okay. That's good to know. That's a nice little factoid there. Obviously, I came into this movie with nostalgia. Yeah, I, I grew up with both versions of the film. Me too. But my grandfather and I would watch the original Blob over and over again. It aired a lot on uh, WGN, mm-hmm. the Superstation. Um, for some reason, that movie was just in their rotation on Friday or Saturday nights. I think they had like a horror block on one of those, and, and you could almost always find the Blob as their horror double feature. Still, almost all those years later, you could still find it. In I a double remember feature. catching it on IFC a few times. Too. A, it would have been AMC then, yeah, or something yeah, like that. Then. Yeah, yeah, AMC would would have. Yeah, because it is American movie classic. In case anyone here is too young to realize, <laughs> at some point that, that the title AMC actually meant American movie classics. If you ever watched Turner classic movies, that's what AMC was a knockoff of. Yeah. And eventually that went by the wayside and they started doing whatever. And once The Walking Dead became popular, they never went back. So be that as it may, this is still an easy to watch, easy to go down 50s B movie. Is it not? Absolutely. I think it's easy to digest. Very much so. Just like the blob to a victim, very easy to digest. Yeah. This thing is quick. What we're talking about, like 120 minutes? Yeah, I think that's exactly <laughs> it's, what it's it was. Not it long. wasn't very lo- yeah. long at all. Yeah, it's it's not long at all. So it, it, it is a movie that is not going to require that much from you. By the way, I do want to mention both movies can easily be found on Tubi. And you can most likely find the blob with a little uh, searching around on YouTube. 
this movie is just a pinnacle of this 50s sci-fi cheese. Yeah. And it's a great way to get introduced in that level of cinema. And I think because it's in color and it's got a story that's very easy to follow. And for a 50s movie, for a 50s movie, I want to preface that and say that it doesn't waste a lot of time. Like, yes, there's going to be a lot of scenes of people sitting around complaining that young people don't do enough today. But this movie still gets moving pretty quickly and I think gives you some high stakes. I very much enjoy the sequence of Steve McQueen going back to the doctor um, to try to save. Matter of fact, the the old sequence with the doctor might be my favorite in the movie. Yeah, it's a good scene. The the older guy, uh, the older gentleman who gets his hand uh, attacked by the blob at the very beginning, he dissolves and is gone. And he calls his nurse over to help him with the procedure. The nurse gets dissolved and like the the doctor ain't messing around. He's like, I'm getting the gun. I'm going to shoot this thing. Because I guess the point is you think about it. What the hell else are you going to do with it, right? (laughs) I mean, you know, you don't know what what this thing is. If it's a big giant wave of jello coming at you. I don't know if I would have tried going for a shotgun. I think I would have tried fire. Yeah, yeah. But generally you don't want to start a fire in the place you fucking live. So I can understand why he went with the shotgun first. When he grabs a shotgun, the nurse is dealt with. So he doesn't know the, the true danger of the situation until that happens. And uh, later on, uh, Stephen, Stephen McQueen comes to try to uh, rescue him. And he sees the doctor get engulfed by the window. Now, getting engulfed is uh, me being a bit generous. Is more they just throw the silicon mass <laughs> on, on him. And then he kind of slides to the ground. He sells the hell out of it, actually. You get uh, the movie's first sort of on-screen kill. Everybody else sort of just kind of falls by the wayside. Or falls down out of frame yeah. and they scream and then the blob got them. Same thing with the the dying old man at the beginning. We don't see him. And even almost all the kills are that way. The mechanic, he just kind of sees the the blob and you see his feet get sucked up under the car. Yeah, the, the blob doesn't move a whole lot. No, well, they very much were limited by the tech at the time. Yeah. So there's only so much the blob could really get done. I think one of the other deaths that I did like was the projectionist. I think that death is actually pretty solid. Because it shows that the blob is a bit more of a sentient being. That was probably my favorite part of the movie is the yeah. projectionist kill. Yeah, yeah. So he kind of sets him up and, and and eventually just engulfs him. So I guess one of the things I want to talk about is the movie's sort of lack of an ending. Um, they fight the creature once it goes to the theater and comes out. They end up hitting it with... Um, fire extinguishers. Fire extinguishers uh, to freeze the creature. And, um, by the spoiler for a movie from 1958, and that's about it, right? <laughs> yeah, there's, yeah. The, I think the last shot is them taking it to the Antarctic. Yeah, they literally just, like, just taking it over, helicopter dropping it in Antarctica, or wherever it's cold. Yeah, and like, that's supposed to stop it. And that's the end of the movie, like, there's just, dun-dun-dun, <laughs> the, the music rolls, you get more of the beautiful theme, and and, that, and that's it, like, the movie is done. By the way, lyrics by Burt Baccarat on that theme. I guess it's ultimately a little disappointing, but I suppose it's how a lot of the older films might have been. You know, you just have a, you know, the creature's done with. We and, told the story we wanted to tell, and that's it. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. The uh, and, and, you know, weirdly enough, the, the, the remake kind of does a little bit of the same thing, even though it has a bit more falling action. But that would probably be my, my biggest gripe about the original movie, is that uh, getting past 50 style of cinema, cinema you are you might have a hard time with that ending because it just does just come to an end and say, you know what, that's your movie. Hope you enjoyed it, boys. Yeah. And that's about it. Um, but be that as it may, I, I totally give it a recommend. 
Go and watch it right now for free. It's a classic. Yeah, you will enjoy it, or at least you can say you, you, you have. It's a Criterion film, so you can say, I've seen a Criterion film. You can put your pinky up as you take a sip from your tea, <laughs> show people your fancy, and put on your monocle and watch the blob. Now, on a bit of the, the less classy side, I think this is a movie you're also not going to have a lot of problems with. Because there's very there's not objectionable content in it or things that have aged poorly. Uh, like every now and then we'll catch like an older Disney film and like a flat out like racist song will yeah. pop up and appear and you're like, oh, crap. Um, and you just sort of forgot that. So this movie doesn't have anything like that. By all means, go check it out. You're going to have a blast. Yeah, absolutely. We recommend it to anybody. Now we got The Blob, 1988, 30 years after the original. You, you really do have to love that planning, by the way, that they managed to get this yeah. in like 30 years after. It does a really nice job. If it had a body. So I guess I can't mix words here. I love this movie. <laughs> it's a good movie. It's it's the epitome of why we do this show. Exactly. It's everything we look for in that gritty reboot. Yeah, it's the perfect gritty reboot. Yeah, I mean, just from the very start, it's like it's like they just got shoved into the gritty reboot machine. But before, before I talk about the movie, I do want to talk about a couple of things about uh, the production. Um, this movie was uh, written by Frank Darabont and his co-writing partner, who he had done uh, Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3 with, the Dream Warriors, Chuck Russell, who also directed the film. And they absolutely loved the original film. And they got a lot of makeup people who also were fans of the original movie. And all of those makeup and effects people, they wanted to do one thing, and that was make the blob scary. Because of a massive gel just sort of rolling down the street wasn't something that was considered too terrifying. Yeah. And that was something that they wanted to rectify by making a much more serious film in that respect. And this movie is a complete tonal shift from the original thing. And it's one of the things I wanted to mention that I just forgot to bring up about the original film. The director actually wanted a very dark theme to open the movie. Obviously, I played you the theme at the start of the show. That's not what they went with. He leaned into a bit more of a cheesier direction, a little B-movie happiness, and it worked. Mm -hmm. You know, this movie doesn't really have any of that. It's a much more serious, dark, and gritty film. It's put into the dark, gritty reboot machine, and from the very first steps here, we get the same concept. You know, the blob comes down from space in the meteor. And we have an old man go and find it, but he's not a sweet old man who has a nice little house and a dog. He's a dirty fucking bum <laughs> with his dirty bum dog. The Gotta same, be a dog, though. Yeah, it has to be a dog. <laughs> you know, the, the, the dog doesn't really play into anything. It yeah, play into, not like the the 58 version where yeah. the dog's like a character. Yeah, it doesn't play into anything really in, 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 in both. He's a bit more in the 58 version. But this movie has that element going on, and then when he runs into our lead characters, there's a really nice sequence I like early on where they show that the blob is a much more sentient and aggressive creature. He tries to cut his hand off, which is what you would do if there was something you couldn't get off your hand that was burning it constantly. Yeah. And he chops his hand, and you see the blood shooting out of his wrist, and immediately the blob covers the wound mm -hmm. and starts sucking the blood straight from him. Uh, and I, I love that. I mean, it lets you know that you're in a, a deeper, more dangerous territory here. Yeah, Darabont uh, really wanted to uh, emphasize that he wanted the blob to be an inside-out stomach with with stomach acid and that's everything like idea. that. That's a good idea, yeah. So that's kind of how it goes. It moves like that. It looks it, like yeah. that. Yeah, in the theater scene with the tentacles coming down, that's sort of what it feels like, like an, like an opened-up yeah. stomach. Yeah, I, I like that, that idea and concept. Uh, Darabont is a gifted writer. If you're unfamiliar with his work, Shawshank Redemption, Green Mile, 
uh, The Mist. Um, I mean, his horror pedigree is fantastic yeah, as absolutely. well. Absolutely. Uh, he's done a couple of my favorite horror films as it is: Nightmare on Elm Street that he wrote, this one that he wrote, and then obviously The Mist. I love The Mist and that brutal ending. Uh, but we're not talking about The Mist yet. This movie has there's a sequence in it early on that I I've always really liked. And these are the things that help a movie sort of stand out. And it's the condom gag. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the condom gag. And, and this is like an urban legend that people have passed around and tell uh, for a long time. And, and Darabont puts a nice little spin on it where the kid comes up and he tries to buy some condoms. And the old urban legend is he buys condoms from the pharmacist. And then later on, the pharmacist goes to open the door for the guy who's going to date his daughter. And bam, there's a guy who bought the condoms. Yeah. But this movie puts a nice little twist on the urban legend, which is a really great gag, in my opinion. It brings down the paper and he looks right at him, ribbed. <laughs> I just, I, I love that little joke. And the little things that help draw you into the movie, help yeah. you kind of welcome the movie. And those are the things that a good writer can give you. It's not perfect, but I think these things really help you identify with these characters and it helps set up one of my favorite sort of twists in this whole thing is that we have a guy who is John Q leading man. He's the high school quarterback. He just got the guts to ask out the cheerleader. He survived that weird encounter with the condoms and the pharmacist. Uh He does all of this only to be brutally eaten by the thing, by the thing, by the blob right at the end of the first act. Yeah, he is, uh, I, I feel so bad for him because when you're watching the movie, you don't think that anything bad's going to happen to him. Yeah. Because he is the quarterback, because he gets the girl, because mm-hmm. of all these things that the, the movie sets up. And then he is just, just caught off guard by the blob and totally taken out. And he has one of the most brutal deaths as well. Yeah, yeah. It's not just some sort of standard uh, little bit here. I mean, he is completely consumed by the blob. His girlfriend comes in the room, played by Shawnee Smith. And she tries to grab his arm and pull him away. And he's so already decomposed and being um, corroded away, I suppose, that his arm rips off and just leaves this goo blood just trailing from the wound. Yeah. It's brutal. It's And as he gets pulled away more, his face gets stretched out like more, like he's being torn apart even more by the blob. I want you to know there's a guy underneath there. Oh yeah, you can tell. Like, oh that, yeah, yeah that's, there's that's, that's... a guy under there being being him when he gets dissolved. Oh yeah, I got to read a, a fun little report where um, all the effects guys were basically just covered in that because they're puppeteering the yeah, whole thing. Yeah, so they're just covered in that that goo, the goo that made the blob. I, I could all it made me think of like the effects guys who did Alien because they would go home just covered in KY jelly because that's <laughs> all the stuff that falls to aliens. They're just covered in KY, whatever the stuff that made up this, the eighties version of that blob, they are just completely covered in it. Like there's nothing they could do to avoid it. The the poor guy that was underneath there, um, he actually couldn't breathe through parts of it. I tell you, man, eighties effects were hardcore. <laughs> Can you breathe Jerry? No, I can't. You'll be fine. We'll make it a quick cut, make it a quick scene. Yeah. Oh, lunch for a sorry, Jerry, you'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's just how, just like the level they were willing to go to just put a stunt guy in absolute danger. I, I love it. Um, <laughs> I frown on it being done today, but I sort of love the way old Hollywood worked in that respect. Yeah. 
So, yeah, I mean, this movie immediately kind of slaps you in the face. You are given a guy who's going to be your lead character. He's taken away and killed. So all of a sudden, your damsel in distress and the bad boy, who I love when you started doing notes in the movie, you didn't know his name was Flag. You just wrote down Rebel. Yeah, that was my name for him. <laughs> Rebel. I used to bartend, so that's kind of how we identified people. That's a pretty good way to do it, yeah, because yeah, I'll, I'll do that too. Like, I go to the gym, and I'm like, hey, there's ugly Fabio over there. <laughs> <laughs> so... Once we get going, there is a little bit of, of that same narrative from the original film of trying to get the kids to get the adults to believe that there is something else going on here. However, this movie does take it in a very different direction because we have half-eaten bodies of the homeless guy around. So there's already something where the cops are like, no, something very strange is going on here. Yeah, absolutely. And it's not really something the movie spends a whole lot of time on because the blob gets to business in this one. I think some of the things that have changed from remake from from film to film is there's a little bit more of a slasher aesthetic to this movie is that we get introduced to a lot of characters early on and we see quite a few of them meet their demise. Mm -hmm. Um, We see the, as I mentioned, the condom scene earlier, we had uh, two characters that were in it. Uh, One, Paul already got murdered, like I just said. And the other one uh, tries to take advantage of a drunk girl and the blob. Yeah, he tries to take advantage of Vicky and the blob brutally destroys him. Former playmate, by the way. Oh, I didn't know. I think like 1989, I believe. I wouldn't have guessed it. I I, I don't think I ever looked at her in that way since she's mostly passed out. There's actually two uh, former playmates. Oh, really? In this movie. Wow. I don't know how that happens. We put on a casting call for it. That's a good factoid there. Uh, I do love his uh, trunk full of drinks. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. What a. He just has everything covered. Oh, my God. Does he? He, I mean, he. He even yeah. has a mixer. Yeah, yeah. He has a little battery-powered mixer. And by the way, this is the 80s. Like, a battery-powered thing was tough to do. Yeah. Yeah, it's not like today you got everything battery-powered, lithium-ion. Like, back then, he's probably having to get double A's every couple of days for that. Yeah. Uh, I wanted you to to know something a little um, awesome about this movie. Um, you know that uh, scene where it's a partially dissolved guy, and he's missing, like, his uh, his arms and legs, and he's missing an eye? Yeah. That was an actual stuntman. Oh, really? And he actually did, he was missing um, both legs, an arm, and an eye, and he lost it during Vietnam. Oh, damn. So they had uh, commissioned him for this movie, and that's that's where they put him. Oh, wow, man. That's, pre- that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's very impressive. I had never heard that before. That's, that's actually really cool to know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because I never would have guessed that in a million years. Yeah, it makes the scene even better, I think. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, the practical effects work here is pretty much on the level with the thing, right? Yeah. In fact, it's compared a lot to the thing um, by a lot of people. This movie had a $19 million budget. $9 million was spent on special effects. And that makes sense. Um, before we talk more about the movie, I know you just mentioned the budget. The movie also terrible financial failure. Yeah. Yeah. Unlike the original Blob, but not a, a runaway hit. Uh, this movie really flopped at the box office and, and pretty much put an end to Chuck Russell directing uh, bigger movies. Since for a horror movie, this is a pretty big budget for 1988. Um, and the budget shows because there's good character actors pretty much throughout the thing. And it, it helps almost every scene of this movie that you have a little bit higher quality acting uh, coming into it. And, and not to mention, that there, there's, there's good acting. I think uh, Russell is a talented horror director, and so that shows. He keeps everything moving along nicely. And like we've just said, the effects are the absolute star of this show. There are so many fantastic deaths in this movie, so many great things that the, the, the Blob does, from the theater sequence, 
from the projectionist uh, almost completely dissolved into the blob. Yeah. Hanging onto the roof, the tentacles oh, grabbing such it. Such a good scene. Yeah, yeah. It's even better. It's even way better in this movie than it is in the 58 version, the yeah. projectionist scene. Yeah, they, they they really set to top everything that, that was done Gruesome, before. gritty in, in the, stuff. In the original film. But I think one of the things that I want to talk about outside of the effects is... They stick to a, a similar story, but the biggest change in this one is, I think, something that's a little bit different in the 80s than in the late 50s, early 60s. And that's how we felt about the Cold War. And uh, now that element becomes that our side has built the blob as a bioweapon, and it's come back to haunt them. Yeah. So this movie has a group of soldiers that come to save the town. So that makes it different from the original movie. The original film doesn't have any other element about it. And I have two interesting things about this. One, I like that the movie actually has a human antagonist because of that. Yeah, you get another villain in this movie. Yeah, there actually is a villain, as opposed to just sort of waiting for the blob to do things. You actually have someone who's working against our heroes and giving them something to do. I don't think everything about this element of the story is perfect, but it does add a little bit extra flavor to it and gives, I think, a little bit extra there. But there's something that takes away. I like in the original movie that this alien creature lands and this town's completely ill-equipped to deal with it. Yeah. And you lose that element when you go to this storyline because you all of a sudden have a military presence and they have big time weapons. I mean, hell, a rocket launcher is fired at some point. Yeah, they're in this all movie. equipped with like a rocket launcher. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Here's my spare rocket launcher. Sorry. They have first person shooter logic. They just got a, a pocket full of AK 47s, rocket launchers, grenades, uh, but that gets used here. So it, it does change the stakes up a little bit, but the thing that's very similar about both movies is small town feel. They got it perfectly. Yeah. Uh, you and I grew up in a small town and both movies sort of nail that. Yeah. Yeah, everybody knows each other. Really, everybody knows each other. And everybody knows your business. That's just how small towns work. I think there's a great line in the first movie. Everybody be talking about this by morning. And that is how small towns work. Any sort of gossip and everybody's talking about it by the time you even get to the playground. Oh, my God, yeah. Yeah, everyone's gossip about, gossiping about it at work at the first coffee break. It's just the way it goes in these sorts of places. And the movie, both films really nail that vibe very well. It's just a, a different direction that they take once you bring in those soldiers. I, I like it. I like that there's an extra villain here. Um, and, and, you know, with any movie like this, there's always a military element. Uh, these guys are a little bit more of a scientist slash military. Um, so there's an element to we got to contain this uh, CDC type mentality. Um, and the villain is willing to kind of protect the blob at all costs. Yeah, I think that's a good way to take a, take a look at it. I did want to mention one other thing, and it's a weird little effect I'd like to bring up. Obviously, this isn't the only movie to do, like, bring in a military uh, hazmat team. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. yeah, it's not the only movie to do it, but I did want to mention a, a similarity between a book and its film adaptation that I, I like to bring up all the time. Uh, Dean Koontz uh, wrote a book called Phantoms, I think in 1983, uh, year I was born, shout out to my birthday. And that movie is, is similar in plot. You have uh, two women, they show up to an old town, and everyone's gone. And over time, they discover it's a goo-like creature that has assimilated all these people and sort of absorbed them. And everybody thinks he's Satan. And eventually, a bunch of military people show up to do a similar thing as in The Blob. Now, I, I don't know for a fact that Darabont had read that. But the reason I bring it up is they eventually adapted Phantoms into a film in the mid-90s. 
and its imagery is so close to the blob. It is strange because its source material predates that remake, but it feels like a cheap knockoff of this 1988 film. And, it's very interesting. And, and listen, I mean, um, I mean, you can go check out both movies. I, uh, actually, the uh, Phantoms is almost anywhere. It's a '90s flop. You could find that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's Ben Affleck, Rose McGowan, uh, Liev Schreiber. Uh, everyone is terrible, and except for Liev Schreiber, who's actually having a good time as a possessed person. Then that's the thing: the creature there kind of possesses people a little bit, but it is a goo-like substance. I think in the book they make it a little more clear that he's like a Lovecraftian monster, but the movie doesn't want to touch anything that deep at all. It's not a great adaptation. I think that hurts it because, like I said, it's I think very much trying to copy this film, except it doesn't bring the one thing that this film has in spades: fun. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, you know, because this movie goes into a few 80s action set pieces, and I think they work pretty well, you know, from running away from the military on his bike. Uh, and all that stuff is set up. This is, Darabon is is not a slouch on a screenwriter. This is not his best work, but it still has the things that you want a good screenplay to have. Things are set yeah. up properly. No one just pulls a random deus ex machina out of their ass, you know, so we can get to the end of the movie. Like, the, even the... Um, how they shut down the blob with the with the frost and everything like that. They set that up early on in the film. You see it, you know it. The word eyes are drawn to it by the direction. Yeah, there's this similar freezer scene. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, and then all of it works really well. You have all these things set up. Flag's bike not working correctly and, and, and him getting it together and having it work for the one time he absolutely needs it. You know, even the character bits of, oh, you only care about yourself and him coming back to save the girl. Now, the movie's a bit overstuffed. In my opinion, because by the way, this thing is only about 10 or 11 minutes longer than the yeah. original film, a tight 90 minutes. The movie could use a little bit more breathing room, I think, to give characters I mean, a, a chance it to goes. talk. Yeah, I mean, it, it just goes. Yeah, for a film from 1988, this movie is, I mean, it's sprinting through its running time to, to tell you everything it needs to know. And to its detriment, I, I think it could be a little bit deeper. Um, it doesn't have the same problems as some of the other remakes we've done. Last week we talked about Hellboy and that having a thousand things in it. But this one doesn't have as many things, and it does give a bit more time to allow these elements to let them stew. I think the biggest weakness this movie has is Kevin Dillon. He's not great. I mean, <laughs> I wish I could give you a little bit more cinematic nuance than that, but his performance is merely fine. I think the most interesting thing about, interesting thing about him is that he shouldn't be the lead. Yeah. It should be somebody else. Well, I could argue, you could argue that um, Meg is the lead. Yeah, yeah, I think you really could. That the, because at the, by the very end of the film, they end up saving each other a few times, and she's the one with a machine gun shooting at the blob, trying to get him to. She has to try to save trap. two kids too. Yeah, well, yeah. She saves one. She but... saves. Yeah, this movie kills a kid. Yeah. Yeah, this movie brutally kills a kid. You see him come know, out of the water, all melted. Half melted. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, this movie doesn't pull any punches. It's it really is a, a really is a gritty reboot. Like you have that sequence there, you see a lot of people just absolutely devastated by the blob, the, the phone booth sequence. Yeah, I, I, that's a really good scene. She's calling, she's desperately trying to keep the blob out, and we get a nice sequence. It's very claustrophobic. We get a nice sequence earlier of the sheriff kind of bashfully asking her out, and she's kind of into him. It's cute. It's a nice little thing. We know these characters. We've seen them. She's calling for him because she's terrified. It's the only person who can save her. And what happens when she looks out the window when she finally gets to the sheriff's office? They say, he went to find you. And she looks, his half-decomposed face comes right up yeah. in the frame. And she's immediately grabbed by the horror of it. And as that grips her, the blob busts right through the entire place. And 
And it, I mean, it's, it looks so great. By the way, it's a miniature, by the way. They did that with miniatures. Yeah, it's a miniature, yeah. You you only got introduced to the concept of miniatures a week ago. <laughs> yeah, I didn't realize how many scenes are actual miniatures of yeah. other things. Yeah, yeah. That's, but I apparently mean, they tried to do it uh, life-size. They did a life-size dummy of her and everything, but it just didn't look right, so they decided to do it miniature. Yeah, because you can control a lot more in that respect. Yeah. Um, and it looks real enough like they just threw a ton of goo inside on that actress. I mean, it looks it looks really good. It, it does. I mean, I, there's with the exception of a couple of rear projection effects, I think all of the effects in this movie look fantastic. Yeah. And that's just one of my, my probably one of my favorite moments in, in this movie. Um, it, but, but, but both movies have a, a couple of issues. They both kind of end rather abruptly. Um, this movie has a little bit more uh, falling action at the very end because we have the element of the reverend who um, is... The crazy com- reverend. Yeah, he becomes a cult a leader. character. Yeah, he becomes a cult leader. Does a good job chewing scenery. Fantastic job by the actor. But yeah, he basically becomes a cult-like figure after seeing the blob. He completely rejects all standard religion is like, no, the blob is the true God or, or the true face of the apocalypse. And that leads him to grabbing a few crystallized frozen portions of the blob. And then that gives us our sequel tease that we would never get. Yeah. Um, that he has a couple of pieces and wherever his church is. Uh, this movie did not get a sequel. Sadly, it was a terrible failure. The original blob got a sequel. Beware the blob or son of the blob, depending if you lived in Europe. Uh, it's awful. Um, I have seen it once. I don't recommend it. Didn't anybody. even know that they had another Blob movie. Yeah, yeah. They made a sequel to the original film in the 70s, by the way. So it took some time. It is nowhere near the kind of caliber of production. It's just a cheap piece of crap. You know, no love or, or charm is really in that movie at all. So these are the two movies to watch. And I think you'll very much enjoy it. Yeah, there is actually two nods to the original film in this movie. Oh, really? Uh, one was Chad McQueen, uh, Steve McQueen's son was offered the part of Brian Flagg, but turned it down. That would have been cool. So they tried to offer it to him. Uh, the other was the motorcycle that Flagg drives is a Triumph. And that's the favorite brand of Steve McQueen. You know, it would have been kind of cool if they had managed to get his son in the movie. Yeah. I have no idea what his son looks like, so I hope it could have worked. You know, I didn't Google a picture of him. I should have. Yeah, that, that would have been something to actually check out. See how close he looks to him. Oh, definitely, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know much about Chad McQueen's career. I didn't even know he his son was in film. Hmm. Well, that's interesting. Now, now the first thing I'm going to do once we get out of here is Google him <laughs> yeah. and see if he's uh, the same handsome devil his father was. <laughs> the other only other fact that I, I I missed from the first movie was is this movie happens to be uh, astrophysicist Neil deGrasse Tyson's favorite Hollywood alien movie. Oh, really? The original film? Yes. He wow. loves this movie. Yeah. I guess for him and the, it's his favorite. yeah, when he was born, you know, cause when he was born, this would have been something that would have been on TV a lot that he probably would have seen and, and probably had a big impact on him. And like I said, it is one of the few movies of that era where you have a, a alien who is not humanoid. Right. At all. And honestly, it, you really think about it. It doesn't make a lot of sense that every alien we ever meet has a head two arms and, and two legs. Yeah. yeah. Or maybe like an extra set of arms. Every, every alien is almost sort of humanoid so we can have an actor in the, in the suit play him. So that's something you don't get in this movie. And it's very refreshing in both films. So, well, is there anything else that you want to bring up before we move on to the reviews? Well, I, I think, you know, the, I think I feel like we've exhausted. Yeah. We really we loved about. this. Yeah. Movie. Th- this is not like our other shows where we sort of shit on one movie and compare it to the other one. They're different. And we just like both movies. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think if you're a fan of horror 
and you like uh, science fiction creature features, this is something for you. Like, you have to check these movies out. I, like I said, highest recommendation. Go out there and enjoy them. They're free. Do it right now. Absolutely. Give me the reviews. I want to know what these, I don't want to know what Jackass has thought of them. All right. So for the 1958 version, uh, the user reviews were 4.0. It has a 68% on Rotten Tomatoes and a 6.3 on IMDb and a 58% on Metacritic. So pretty good movie. Um, I think it's not rated more, but I am also a fan of this movie. Um, I did find a one star review. I have a pretty high standard now for garbage, garbagey movies. A movie has to be especially bad to knock off any of the current despised movies on my list. The blob is positively awful for anything but inspiring you to insert vulgar lines between the bits of dialogue. Although it's also possible that the movie is actually an ingenious tool to bore the living crap out of your out of your date in 1958 so that making out with you seems like a decent alternative as far as bad goes i don't think i've ever seen a less artfully made movie i also don't think it's possible to make a less artful movie in the future a gelatinous space turd grows as it eats (laughs) the members of town while a cast of actors tries to out rebel rebel without a cause characters are so dense that they can't even figure out how they can stroll leisurely away from the largely immobile title organism You'd actually have to watch an episode of Mr. Ed to see worse writing than on display here. The plot progresses at a snail's pace while characters process their thoughts as roughly the speed of a lumber flow. The movie is oddly obsessed with minutia. No one makes a move in this movie until they announce it four times, discuss it twice, and have another character authorize it. So, listen, he's not wrong. (laughs) He's, he's not wrong about a lot of things there. Yes, this movie does have a lot of talking in it, but... Mm-hmm. You don't get to see the blob as much. Yeah, I mean, the blob is maybe in, like, what, three minutes of this movie? Yeah. And I'm, I'm being generous. And that's the thing. At some point, people are always going to reach their limit on the kind of movies that they can take in, in the timeline. Yeah. You know, like, can you go back to the 40s and enjoy a movie? Maybe. You know, I mean, I can go back to the 20s and enjoy a movie, but, you know, I mean, I... <laughs> I it's hard. Yeah. It's I, hard for some people. Yeah, you know, I'm I, I'm a movie buff, and I've seen all sorts of films and stuff like that, but I can tell you, if it's not a great film from the 20s, it's going to be really difficult for me to sit through and enjoy it. Same thing with a movie from the 30s. And I've had to do it before. I did a challenge once where we watched all the Oscar movies, and some of those from the early era are just unwatchable. Yeah. And and, and that's all it is. Like you just you're not going to be able to adapt to an era. And and I, I trust me, I get it. I get it. <laughs> you know, because like I said, I'm I'm in my 30s now, and there are movies from this era that I look at. And I'm like, ugh. But I know my dad loved them and things like that, so I give them a chance. But I I'm not going to hate on somebody for just not appreciating it. But I would just tell you, you know, try to open yourself up to appreciating cinema from an earlier era. Yeah. And especially a B movie like this, which is really trying to have some fun and not be too serious. Yeah, absolutely. We've got six. Listen to the theme song. It's not that serious. Good comments. Okay. So the 1988 version got a 4.1 user review. Makes sense. 63% on Rotten Tomatoes and a 6.6 on IMDb. So it did a little bit better than the original, but not much. And here is a one star review. Um, I was trying to watch the movie as though it was still 1988. My childhood years even, but I still don't didn't like it. The blob was too, just so corny. I think the only thing cornier would be the attack of the killer tomatoes. I mean, who thought a gelatinous mass of red goo would be a credible monster? When I think of a good horror movie, I think, will thoughts of this movie keep me awake at night? 
And after having thought that, the answer was a resounding no. (laughs) The blob wouldn't even make a cameo appearance in my mildly unpleasant dreams. I'm just not frightened by the idea of my cherry jello eating me or dissolving me. Apparently, this was a remake of 1958 film with the same title. Maybe in 1958, there was a story going around of a kid whose chewed up bubble gum came alive and ate him. So the movie had some type of credibility. Deadly Bazooka Joe. (laughs) But in 1988, after having seen Nightmare on Elm Street, Halloween, Friday the 13th, The Exorcist, Poltergeist, and a host of other scary movies, the Bob just doesn't belong. Well, I, I, you know, I couldn't disagree more with this one because he's listing movies of that same era. And I'll be honest, yeah. man, I, I think the Bob in this version, in the 88 version, is scary. It is. Yeah, because you, you don't necessarily know he's there. You can't outrun him. You can't, you know. He's a formidable foe. If you are unprepared for the Blob... He will grow. I keep gendering. It. I know. I did, it, I just did it yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. I keep gendering. It. it will grow to like the size of a city. I mean, a, a two mile blob. You can't do anything against that. You can't freeze that. There's not enough nit. Uh, there's not enough liquid nitrogen in the world. I almost said nitroglycerin. <laughs> Gonna blow them up. <laughs> yeah, that, that would be the worst idea. <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, there's not enough nitroglycerin in the world to stop him. Like I, I think this is the most they could have squeezed out of this character of the blob to make him scary yeah and they did that about effectively as could possibly be done and it's one of the things that we truly love in the gritty reboot you know i i compare this one a little bit to uh the next gener- the next generation star trek mm-hmm. because i think this is more of what the original producer intended to have a kind of dark and scary movie about the blob but was sort of held in place by effects of the time and the budget that he had. So he had to lean into to what was around. And that's what good filmmakers do. You might have a vision, but you need to lean into what you actually can do. Lots of filmmakers have had to adjust what they want to do. Werner Herzog has a documentary about just changing things up so you can meet the needs of your actor and still making great cinema. Yeah. This movie, like like uh, The Next Generation, is sort of what Roddenberry intended. But, you know, he had to lean into what the 60s gave him and that TV show's budget gave him. And this, these two reboots, these two movies are probably are very similar in that respect. And it's one element that I, I just like to point out that I think this is just a better, darker, probably more true version to what the original horror idea of the blob was. Yeah, absolutely. 100% agree. I, um, I'm probably going to end up watching this movie again, probably by year's end. Cause I, I've discovered how much I really like it. And I think it's a movie that needs to be on my standard horror rotation for I've all already, times. This is my yeah, twice. Yeah. You've seen I've it, twi- seen it twice you, this year. Yeah. You hate having to watch movie Cause I put it on one day when I wasn't feeling good, when I was just laying down and I got up to do something for our daughter and you stayed in the room and <laughs> ended up watching the movie. I was out there watching cartoons with our, with our daughter. And I, I'm like, where the hell's your mother? Well, it's legit. One of my favorite movies. I, I think it's a lot of fun. It's, it's not got, great acting but it's it works it just the the gore and everything works agreed agreed um if you think our opinion should also be dissolved by an intergalactic entity uh please let us know that at uh, gritty reboot cast at gmail.com uh that's the easiest way to get a hold of us let us know that we suck uh but if you're not into that you can also uh, look up gritty reboot at tiktok and instagram we are on uh, both as well yeah and uh, by all means, uh, drop in, tell us how much we suck, or you can maybe give us some praise. 
I, uh, I might enjoy that. Uh, and, uh, you know. Yeah, we're always looking for comments and, yeah, and for us to be rated. Yeah, seriously. It's the one thing, I'm more more so than anything else, is to have a good conversation or debate about any movie. Because I'll defend my movie opinion until the end, and I always want to hear somebody else's. Yeah. Even if it stinks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, all right, boys. Uh, there's only one real way to, to take this thing out, and um, that's more of this gorgeous, gorgeous blob theme by Mr. Burt Baccarat. Look up some Burt Baccarat hits, guys. Enjoy your week. Have a great time. I'm out. We'll see you next time. Bye. You can't see it, guys, but I'm <laughs> I'm just grooving back and forth. Oh, yeah. I, I'm like that shot of Leonardo DiCaprio in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I'm doing a twist right here in my office. I'm loving every bit of this theme. Anytime a monster comes and kills me, I'm going to want it to be to this song right there. <laughs> pop. You hear that pop? That That's quality. You don't get that today in a theme. We don't even get movie themes today, but they got this in 58, and that's why the old generations were better. <laughs> Whatever. I don't believe that at all. 